<sighs> Hello, my friends. It is Uncle Mike, and today is Saturday, November 27th on their calendar system. And I am back again. It's It's been a while, and uh, hopefully this... This little video finds you well wherever you are. I have been putting out uh, less less uh, presentations and less stuff on the computer, and I've been doing that purposefully um, just because I am trying to be more conscious and more more purposeful with the time I spend in front of the computer screen. Um, you know, it's something I talk about a lot about the about what what all of this is, and it's important that I walk the walk. And so, because of that, I am becoming more thoughtful for what I'm going to invest my time and energy into creating these presentations. And so, um, this is <laughs> you know, this is this is a topic which I'm about to cover, which is. Um, worthy of of putting in the time so without any further ado let us begin all right there we go all right so our presentation today it's called zuck ready player one and the path to the matrix and the alternate title is meta or meta the choice is ours. And so the, the majority of this presentation is is the top is the top or the original um, is the original line, but but ultimately the purpose is more so about the bottom line. So we're gonna go and, and spend our time mostly in this top line. We're gonna talk about Zuckerberg and we're gonna talk about um, Ready Player One and we're gonna talk about movies and all sorts of good stuff which which I normally talk about and, and weave it all together. Um, but, but make no mistake, though this, this presentation is about the, um, is about these specific topics and specifically the, the rebranding of the company formerly known as Facebook to Meta, which occurred in October, though I'm going to be focusing upon that this is a this 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 focus is just one data point in a bigger a bigger picture a bigger picture and I, and you know I talk about this a lot I talk about technology and I talk about you know what is the nature of the internet what is the nature of of all of the hardware you know when you get down to the consciousness behind you know raping the earth for for raw materials for the slave labor to build it just the entire slave wage system which were i mean everything like i mean it's like you know i uh i i talk about that a lot um from from the from that end of the beginning of the cycle it's like you know we should know just from the foundation of where all this stuff comes from that that uh that this is not in humanity's best interest. But what I don't talk about too much is where, at least to me, it's quite evident where we're going with this, you know, what the end point is. And that is, that is, that is what 
I'm kind of showing in this slide, which is this movement of consciousness, human consciousness, which is our reality, um, our experiential reality in, in, in body form, uh, you know, not addressing the big question, like what the hell is even a body? But nonetheless, you know, that's our point of reference, the body. And we are moving, we are in this process of consciousness connected 100% to material reality. Whatever material reality there, we're, we're, we're connected to, to consciousness becoming connected 100% to artificial reality. I mean, that's the general movement. And we can break that down a little bit more specifically is, you know, the introduction of mainframes, and that was just computers, big computers tied to big organizations. And the computers had one particular purpose, you know, which which they were doing. And then that kind of uh, uh, grew into PCs and then the Internet and then and then the metaverse. And then and where where and I put out a, a series of videos three, four years ago about this, of this movement towards what's what's often called the singularity, but particularly along the lines of, of presentations, which I do utilizing pop culture, I think the matrix, you know, the matrix symbol of what that shows us is uh, a, a better way of envisioning of what the singularity is. And that would be all meaningful life experiencing experiences happening through technology 100% consciousness 100% of your consciousness is connected to artificial reality and and just think about the matrix movie right now i mean don't think about like the 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 storyline with neo and all that sort of stuff but but the foundational point of what had happened to earth which is human beings completely unaware of their physical body and they are having what they believe are complete experiences which is nothing more than a brain hardware software integration um that's this and certainly and certainly you you could say well mike you know well what if that's just like you know one ugly version of it because there could be another version of it where it's beautiful and all that sort of stuff and that's that's kind of why I always like to say, well, where did it all begin? It all began in the minds of military scientists. The entire industry is based upon how to maximize the death of human beings. So no, I don't think that there's a positive, uh, there's a positive uh, uh, outcome of this storyline. But what we're talking about right now is like I, one of the reasons I don't spend too much time in, in, in discussing this frame, this, this line, because we're kind of right here right now. It's like, oh, we're going to go move to the Matrix and all this sort of stuff. Like, how are we going to get to the Matrix, Mike? Like, Mike, tell me, tell me, how are we all going to get into those, those tubs of solution and hook up the brain? That's not going to happen. You don't see that. But now, but now with our with the introduction, with the introduction of, 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 of one of the largest technology companies becoming Meta, you know, it becomes a little bit more clear, a little bit more down the roadmap is, is being exposed publicly. It's not even so much the cat is out of the bag, but I mean, particularly for audiences like this, but, but it's more so it's like we're, 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 uh, um, uh, 
we're telling you exactly, you know, this is, this is part of the, the magic and part of the, the hypnosis and part of the, the, the revelation of the method and all this sort of stuff. The predictive programming is like, you know, we're going to go through that. We're going to see, we're going to see this where we are right now. So let's, let's look at some of these others, other transitions. I mean, there are all of these transitions that are happening and, and they could be broken down to smaller advancements in technology, or it could be looked at on the overall 1945 to 2045 um, uh, time frame. But anyway, it's like technology going as a novelty in life to it becoming an assistance in life to becoming the foundation of life. You're not going to be able to live unless you're doing the technology. Um, one of the things which we're in right now, like, you know, particularly over the next couple of years, is this move from uh, a separate technological experience, you know, just watching a screen, probably what you're doing right now, to an immersed technology experience. And that would be like, you know, with your, your VR goggles and maybe some sort of biofeedback heptic suit. Um, but it becomes, you, you begin to experience the technology from, from a, a different level. This becomes much more immersed and we're moving through that. Like this idea of watching a screen and being separate from it is, is going to be as, as foreign as, or as, is, is, is old fashioned as watching a black and white television at some point. Um, you know, this is the, the, the general movement is the introduction of a tech, technology, the adoption of the technology, the immersion, it be, you know, this is all of your life is involved with the technology. We're kind of working through this one right now too, material reality and art of artificial reality, first moving into an augmented or a mixed reality where you kind of have both, but then eventually it's going to move. Where's it going to naturally move? It's going to move to where it's going to be 100% always in technology. Um, and here's another one. Like this is a real easy thing to kind of check on yourself. You know, I check myself on this. I don't like what I see. Uh, but it's like no time with technology to some time with technology to all time in technology. So, I mean, this is just my general uh, uh, temperature gauge of where we are as a culture right now. But, you know, we're probably somewhere... We're right here with with uh, with consciousness being connected to to 100% of the time to artificial reality. Um, you know, how often are you checking your phones? Uh, right here, you know, the metaverse, and we're going to get into this. This really isn't a thing yet, but we're moving towards it. We can see it. So I'd say we're right around here. You know, this goes right back to our technology's novelty in life to technology's a foundation in life. Like, you know, the introduction of, of all of these digital passports to go into places. And as that becomes normalized, like, of course, it's like, you know, in order to live my life in this world, it's going to go, it's going to require me to have the technology just to participate. We're about right here. Um, how much time with technology? You know, I probably, I'm as guilty as anyone else. I'll check my phone or I'll check uh, email probably within 15 minutes of being awake. Like, you know, and I know not to do that, but I still do it. So it's, 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 there, there's, there's no sort of judgment in or, or, or like, you know, you should be doing better right now. This is as much for me as for anyone else, but it's like, you know, let's, let's really look around at the situation at hand. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be looking at it from, from a lot of different ways. So, oh, 
Before we, we, we look deeply back at what is happening now, we're going to go back 28 years. And we're going to see how technology companies have, there's a precedence that technology companies of a time, they reveal accurately future technologies. And they do this uh, through rebranding, which is kind of what we're, which, which is exactly what we're seeing with the, this Facebook presentation. This is why this Facebook presentation is, is so um, significant to me is it's a marker. It's not so it's, it's a marker. We are, we're, we're crossing thresholds. We're crossing thresholds. And hopefully by the end of, of, of this presentation, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be uh, as clear to you as, as it is to me. So, all right. So it began 28 years ago with an AT&T advertising campaign called You Will. And it's funny because like most people right now, like particularly younger folks, they're just going to think of AT&T as, as a wireless uh, service provider. And AT&T's history, particularly related to technological advancement, is some of the... the, the um, the bedrock for all of the technology we know now, like, you know, for Bell Labs, for, 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 for tech history geeks, you know, that's, that was once an AT&T company. Like it, there's been lots of spinoffs, uh, 10, 25 years ago, 25 years ago, uh, maybe even longer than that. AT&T made most of their money probably from long distance, which is a funny thing to think about. Like, you know, there was once upon a time in the relatively near past, people paid money to call someone on the phone who lives in a different state. They paid by the minute. Um, but nonetheless, so, so this was AT&T, AT&T 1993. And in 1993, they were the 14th largest company based upon market capitalization and a market capitalization of 24 billion dollars that's that's like stock market stuff that's the number of, of of shares of stock multiplied by a stock price and that's the value of the company and so at the time like look at these companies how many are, are kind of still around do you recognize definitely walmart um <laughs> you're going to recognize we're going to look at where what are the top companies right now and it, it's I think the only like top five that's on this list is Microsoft is behind this, this little more videos. This is a screenshot, which, which I took here from a, from a video, but nonetheless. Okay. So that was the size of AT&T in 1993 and their, their, um, you will campaign accurately told the public what the future would hold. And so they did a whole bunch of commercials. AT&T was a marketing campaign launched in 93 consisting of commercials each ad presented a futuristic scenario beginning with have you ever and ending with you will and the company that will bring it to you AT&T and it goes and showcases all of these things which are so um you know in a if you were to go and, sh and show this to a 15 year old and you'd be like and you and they'd be like so what what that's technology that's exciting like because they're talking about gps they're talking about gps they're talking about about netflix and these things which are just so normal right now but in 1993 like it was fantastical it was like beyond the imagination this is the this is the world that's lying before you which is going to come 
and we can see we can see right here here's AT&T some of their own marketing material saying like look how accurate we were in 1999 or 25 years ago this came out in 2018 this this particular piece and you know there's lots of videos where it's talking about how AT&T predicted the future and so here's a list of of a whole bunch of things which which they predicted um right here you could pause it and read for yourself if you're interested uh Technology writer Timothy Lee said that overall the ads were remarkably accurate in predicting the cutting edge technologies of coming decades. And I'm going to suggest to you what is being presented through the meta, through the, the, the meta presentation done by Mark Zuckerberg is going to be as accurate in the future or as these AT&T commercials were in 1993. And what's nice about the 1993 ones is we have hindsight to go and look back and say like, wow, that, uh, that is right. But then also we can recognize patterns. We can recognize patterns. And so the pattern being is that when they're telling you something like this, take notice because this is what's coming. Um, which goes back to my original point. It's like the metaverse is becoming a thing. It's becoming it's becoming real and I'll go and define what the metaverse is if it's good if you're unaware of what that is shortly but here are some of the commercials screenshots where you could see they're talking about you will you'll be able to renew your driver's license in your home like that was such like an unbelievably far out there idea in 1993 look right here you you uh, have you ever kept an eye on your home when you're away you know they're talking about Google Nest you know, they got a little stylus right here, which is, which is funny, but this was like, <laughs> they were spot on. They were spot on. Um, so the You Will commercials were directed by David Fincher, and we're going to get into that a little bit um, uh, later on in the presentation. For you folks who know who David Fincher is, well, then you probably know where I'm going to be going with it, but nonetheless, we're going to... Um, David Fincher and when he made this uh, when he made these commercials he was doing it under the production company of propaganda films and I'm just kind of saying that like you know uh, like obviously that name was done tongue-in-cheek but it was probably well <laughs> I mean yes it was done tongue-in-cheek but it wouldn't have been as obvious in 1993 to go and find such the name of a production company because you know unless you were in the film and TV uh, industry, you would not have access to know who are all the different production companies. But now with the advent of the internet, like, you know, any guy in Pennsylvania with a little bit of curiosity and a little bit of time on his hands, he could go and find out uh, probably what used to take 10 years of, of industry insight to be able to understand how that industry lays out. But nonetheless, nonetheless, we'll keep moving forward. So just as AT&T did in 1993, Facebook is currently doing right now. So Facebook rebrands uh, as meta as it bets its future on the metaverse. And that's what AT&T was, um, they, were, they were attempting to do the same thing right here. Uh, they're saying like they were, um, they were talking about all these future technologies. They were um, both a long distance service provider, but really long distance works on a fiber optic backbone which translated very easily to to data 
and you know that's why AT&T was getting into the tech or into the internet industry because they own the infrastructure and you, and and they still do they still own parts of like you know the main backbone of what's what's known as the internet but what what what's being said right here is by by Tim Lee is that the only thing they didn't get right was the fact that AT&T was not the company that brought this to the world though you know, if they own the if they own the infrastructure, in a way, they kind of did. But nonetheless, the reason I say that is like just because just because Facebook is saying that this is what it's going to be, what the future is going to be, does not necessarily mean that it comes through Facebook. But they're pointing to something else. And we're going to get to that in a moment. But so Facebook rebrands itself. AT and T was trying to rebrand itself. That's what the point I was going to make was AT and T. Those commercials were really a rebranding effort to begin. To to have people to think of AT&T in a different way, just as Facebook rebranded itself. I mean, obviously they were doing it uh, partially as a public relations um, uh, uh, campaign because they had a whole bunch of bad press with whistleblowers, but that's, that's, that's a secondary story. That's a secondary story. Um, so this is, this is the presentation which I'm talking about. It's the Facebook Connect 2021 keynote presentation. It was, uh, it was delivered on October 21st, though it probably wasn't delivered. I think it was released on October 28th. So exactly 30 days from when I'm recording this. And this is, you know, this is from, from Facebook themselves. Uh, what they say is today at Connect 2021, Mark Zuckerberg introduced Meta, which brings together our apps technologies under one new company brand. Meta's focus will be to bring the metaverse to life. That's what AT&T's other famous uh, uh, slogan was for people who, who, who remember such things like we bring, oh no, that was GE, we bring good things to life. <clears throat> Anyone who was a kid in the 80s would, may, would remember that, those commercials, but nonetheless, um, uh, Meta's focus will be to bring to life the metaverse and help people connect, find communities. They're rebranding. They're, they're saying that everything which Facebook has brought together is built so far. They're putting, they're betting everything on this thing called the metaverse. What is the metaverse? The metaverse is right here. This is the next step before we get here, okay? <laughs> All right, so we're right here. So let's go take a look. These are these are the market capitalizations of um, currently. I, I took this when I was making making these slides a couple weeks ago. Uh, Facebook is the seventh largest company. They have a market capitalization of nine point four or nine nine hundred forty seven billion dollars, almost a trillion friggin' dollars. Remember, AT and T in nineteen ninety three was the fourteenth largest company. Like you know, seventh and fourteenth are pretty are pretty close to each other. And they were they had a market capitalization of twenty five billion dollars. You know that increase in money is probably a little bit more about uh, uh, the inflation and the addition of the money supply or the growth of the money supply than than about about anything else, but nonetheless, and, and, uh, let's look at AT&T now. AT&T is at number 70. You know, their influence over the world has dropped significantly. You know, as a company, the 14th largest, you have a large influence, number 70, not so much, but still we see that their market capitalization is, is what, a uh, six-fold increase um, since uh, 19, 1993. Um, but before we get to Meta, all right, before we get into Meta, uh, 
Let's start at the beginning with Facebook's cloudy and controversial birth. Because what we really want, if you want to, anything that like is introduced to us, you know, us, when I'm saying us, I mean like people. <laughs> when it's introduced to us and it's sold to us, you know, it's in your best interest. If you want to kind of figure out what, what you're looking at is you want to understand where it came from. You want to understand its foundation, its roots, and then you'll have a better understanding of what it is. And so, so we know from the very beginning that, that Facebook has a controversial uh, birth. Um, you know, we see that in this article right here. And this controversy, this controversy was, was, really um, framed up in the collective consciousness through a movie called The Social Network. It came out in 2010. Maybe some of you guys saw it. And basically it frames up the controversy as like, you know, boy coding genius. Like he's like the Mozart. He's the friggin' Mozart of coding. I don't know how to code, but he like, they, they, you know, he has an idea. Like you watch it and it's like, you know, they're creating this, this, this mythical character, this mythical character of, of Mark Zuckerberg. And the controversy which they put out there is, um, you know, was the idea was his, you know, all these people are trying to steal, steal his ideas. He's kind of quirky. Yes. But you know, he's a genius, all, all these things like, you know, it's, it's, it's from a certain level. It's a real balanced, hard look at Mark Zuckerberg, but the whole thing is a friggin' made up. The whole thing is friggin' made up. Well, why do I say that? I say that because like, you know, anytime we get these like kind of, these stories of our mythic characters, you know that they're going to be framed up. They're going to be framed up in a certain way. And this is, uh, I'm calling it a limited hangout, but it's, I think it's more of a red herring because I don't even think this is so much the truth. I think this is just like a story which, which, which has just like the tiniest bit of truth, but it's really to distract you. Um, uh, from, from maybe something else. We'll get to that in a moment, but <laughs> this is what, remember I talked about David Fincher. Remember the guy who did the AT&T commercials? Yeah. He's the same guy who directed this. Now, David Fincher, since 1993 has come a long way in his career. His stock, he began in 93, he was making videos for MTV and he was making commercials. And then he transitioned to become a, a, a an A-list Hollywood director. Um, here's some of the films he's made fight club, a film I talked talk about a lot. Fincher is behind it. Um, so, <laughs> you know, you got that going. Um, so, but, but, but let, let's go look, let's go look at, at some other narratives of the Facebook, um, of the Facebook origination. And, and there are quite a few, like, you know, if you spend time looking at Reddit or Godlike productions or anything like that, you're going to see lots and lots of different stories um and 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 theories about zuckerberg and all this sort of stuff um you know i don't know what's real i mean i <laughs> i think it's easier to say what's not real than what's real but but nonetheless i'm pulling out this this one particular story because to me uh from having you know spent a decent amount of time i was curious into all of into to these histories um researching it when this came out what i'm about to refer to um that's that that it, it, it passed a lot of my own personal criteria. The, the amount of, um, I understood at least where the, the logic was coming from. So, well, let me, let me tell you what I'm talking about. I'm talking <laughs> all mysteriously. So in June of 2019, or that's when this article is 
upcoming it, uh, it was written. But this article is describing something that was released in the spring of, ni- of 2019. And it was a manifesto from a, an original Facebook founding employee, like, you know, the Harvard days. Um, and an, an anonymous insider, and they gave great, great, great details um, on the on Zuckerberg and and what Facebook really is. And that in itself, I would not give that much weight. I would still read it because I think it's interesting. But but when you see these kind of like anonymous documents, you're going to have some questions. Now, the reason I'm showing this article right here from American Intelligence Media is because, one, they present, uh, they're presenting this article, but then they're also giving a little bit of their own analysis. And, um, well, you'll see in a moment. So this is what they say. So they're calling it the Zuckerberg dossier. And this is their beginning. They say Zuckerberg is a fraud used by the CIA. The following anonymous document, talking about that that original insider document, the following anonymous document claims to be written by a Facebook insider who was Mark Zuckerberg's lover from their freshman year at Harvard. Mark's continuing indiscretions with his ongoing government contract kept getting him in trouble to the keep keep getting him contract keep getting him should that be kept I don't know keep getting him in trouble to this day Mark was supposed to simply be the fake boy genius of Larry Summers Harvard president's social media project funded by DARPA InQtel and IBM and the secretive international public private group called the Highlands Group organized with the Department of Defense's Office of Net Assessment and so that's what that dossier goes into it talks about all of these sort of things and it names names and all sorts of stuff so what this fits in this dossier fit in or what they're calling that uh, the the manifesto fit in so nicely to american intelligence media because american intelligence media uh is connected to uh a bunch of of, of different people but idea but most importantly is a company called Leader Technology, which they have a lawsuit against Facebook and they they are claiming that all of the technology used by Facebook was, um, was stolen. Uh, they were the creators of it and Facebook stole their technology and they're like, they're asking for compensation. Leader Technology did it. And so I'm not certain where, where Leader where this began and th- and it is quite possible this whole leader technology is like part of the red herring but you know this is this is seemingly more real um or has more grounding because leader technology is connected to this americans for innovation and american intelligence media and what i gather is in preparation of figuring out what the hell happened to leader technology how did um how did they have 100,000 man hours invested in creating this this uh breakthrough technological advancement which is um you know from the way i understand it what really made facebook so special or one of the things that made facebook so special as um uh one of the the social networks that um 
social media platforms that took off was its scalability and the sky leader technologies figured out like prior to that there no one could figure out how to make uh, an internet platform that would be as scalable as what Facebook is and this company supposedly did and they're saying the guy said that Zuckerberg Zuckerberg stole his idea and I think in the present in the research necessary to get to the bottom of how the hell did this happen this guy took a, a very very focused mind which is going to get to the bottom of it so I'm going to assume that's a quality which if you know in anyone who's really good at, at detailed work which I'm going to imagine what this guy was is he applied that level of focus and really went into research on how the friggin world really runs like not just like general statements oh it's the Council of Foreign Relations but then breaking it down to like well these are all the companies and these are the people and that is in this Americans innovation for innovation blog spot um, and this American intelligence media it really really focuses on um, the Pilgrim Society the Department of Defense all of these people all of the companies all of their meetings and he shows how it connects directly to Zuckerberg and 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 how he lost how his how his um, how his software was stolen um, was stolen and then used and the court system was just didn't listen to him at all that's kind of his storyline but the reason why this is so interesting and you know the reason I'm going into this much detail about and I recommend you know you might want to go and read it because it's, it's it's interesting if you're interested in this sort of stuff is because this dossier this anonymous insider uh, piece of the puzzle um, really dovetails nice with it <laughs> it's quite possible they wrote it themselves but I'm not necessarily gonna go there right now I'm gonna I'm gonna treat it to be have some degree of truth just because there's so much there's so many receipts and so go there and you know uh, this is just the very very beginning but they they back up all of the all of their claims with like you there's paper trails but going back to like IBM uh, and the Eclipse Foundation and all of the players involved and like Hillary Clinton and and Zuckerberg and and all of these things so it's it's uh, the reason I'm going into this detail right now is there's to me having spent a lot of time reading this and researching this years past before before any of this meta stuff it it rang true to me or it it felt real to me I was like okay well I I, I can't poke any holes in it or obvious ones or there's a lot of good evidence so the whole thing with that is 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 also very complementary to what I spend a lot of of my focus on is looking at the the CIA and also um, the Department of Defense's connection to the internet in general so it, it fits into that very well nicely and you're also going to see a little bit later why um, why I I've just spent so much time kind of like bringing this character into our storyline right here so um, you know they this is the lawsuit and so if you were to go to their website right now leaders technology this is this is all that you see on there um, and it was from a year ago I recently went on Google Earth and I looked at their street view and I went to the address of where this company is located and I tried to see any sort of indication that there's a leader technology there and you know it was inconclusive but nonetheless it's you know this guy saying how um, 
they're they're completely taken down their isp won't respond won't respond to them and their isp is owned by blackrock and vanguard it's it's you know this is your thing like a uh like those types of of players there's a lot of really good meat on the bones uh of the information presented by um by these companies so um where am i right here uh we see on the very bottom of leader technology it says read more at innovations for uh americans for innovation also see uh american intelligence media and so that is and facebook cover-up is a focus just purely on the zuckerberg portion but these are all the same sort of people they're all connected um so okay so <laughs> I'm 36 minutes in. I don't think I've even talked about the presentation, but you know, have you ever read a book? Have you ever read a book and the the preface is like 35 pages and then there's an introduction of like another 10 pages and like you're like I just want to get to the book. I mean, I I know that's how I am. And like the preface is like I'm like, "Oh god, I'm just I want to get into the book. I don't want to skip the preface, but blah blah blah, I'm just I just just get to it." I find it ironic because I struggle with that as a reader. I get annoyed when I see it, but re in reality, I just do the same thing to you guys. I just gave you a 36-minute preface. <laughs> all right, all right, okay. So the Facebook Connect 2021 keynote presentation. So hot, happened October 28th. Um, this is what the Facebook Connect 21 is. So Facebook Connect is a one-day virtual event that explores the future of augmented reality and virtual reality. Industry leaders will share the latest technologies and developer sessions will cover how to use them. Our goal is to bring the world closer together and deepen human connection through new experiences. <laughs> but the, the point is, this Facebook Connect is, it's seemingly like an annual event, and it's primarily intended for insiders, people who are... Um, active developers in the augmented and virtual reality space and they want to know what's going on with the new technologies and 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 maybe uh um you know venture capitalists and and other uh uh you know financial institutions that follow industry like you know it's speaking to insiders you know business people and then also like actual developers who who do like computer stuff so they do that annually but this one this year's a little bit different uh or this this year's this year's pres this year's event had an exclamation mark on it because Zuckerberg did, um, he does the keynote presentation. It's like an hour long presentation. At the very end, he rebranded the company. He's like, and we believe so much in the metaverse, which um, that we're going to change the name to our company Meta. And because they are the seventh largest company in the world, you know, that was kind of like a big deal. It was kind of a big deal. And, you know, it also got the Facebook story, you know, got some distance between them and, you know, whatever sort of bad press was happening uh, two months ago. But I want to go and, and, and define metaverse uh, right now. And just so we're all on the same page, because I keep on talking about metaverse, and maybe some of you know what I or have a picture in your mind of what I mean, um, and some of you are just like, I don't, I got no friggin' idea of what 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 you mean by metaverse. So let's define this. So 
The metaverse is a hypothesized iteration of the internet supporting persistent online 3D virtual environments through conventional personal computing as well as virtual and augmented reality headsets. Metaverses in some limited form are already present on platforms, blah, blah, blah. All right. So let's look at this. Let's look at this. This is this linear, this linear path, you know, mainframes, computer, the technological singularity, and it unfolds. And so the metaverse is really, it's a word. It's a, it's, it's, it's a word to describe what the next technological kind of experience is going to be. Just as in 1993, AT&T had to introduce the concept of the internet. There was, there was like a 10 year period where like the internet was still kind of weird. Like, you know, not like people did not quite grasp it. They were trying to create pictures in their mind <coughs> of what this thing is. And people are trying, you know, um, particularly in the earlier days of like, well, 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 what is the internet? Like what, you know, is it a thing? Do I go to it? Like, you know, people are trying to wrap their mind around it. And now like currently in 2021, like, like this idea of the internet it, it, with all of its nuance implication of what you mean when you say, say internet, um, you know, we, the, it's second nature to us. And so that is happening again. And what the word we're using to call it is the metaverse. So it's a, it's, it's like, it's going to be, it's the next version, but it's different. It's, it's, it's so different that it's deserving a name to demark that it's different than what it was before. So what is this difference? It is this seamless integration of all of the different technologies and platforms that are out there. And so this is a coming thing. So think about like 1993 AT&T commercial. And then, you know, it took 15 years for some of the 20 years for some of the stuff to, to show itself. So there's a lag, you know, it doesn't mean that it's a, that this, I mean, who knows, maybe that technology is available right now. They're just like slow dripping it out, but it's not commercially available right now. And it's not mainstream understood right now. And so the same is probably true with like the metaverse. So, so all of these, all of the things, which, which I'm going to use like uh, uh, contemporary technology is just my point of reference, but it's probably going to be something much, much grander. Um, but it's, it's, everything uh you are inside you you are not experiencing the internet in front of a computer screen it's more like you know it, it's beginning right now this is going to it's going to seem very very um it's going to seem very old-fashioned like a like a big like what those bicycles with a really big front wheel that's like five feet tall and like the six inch back wheel and you see the guys in the in the 1880s riding those like it's the goggles that people are using today are going to be thought of as those big wheel bicycles in in the future um but imagine everything like those those goggles and and the suits like everything which you do on the internet like you just go to you go to you go to the to the facebook building in virtual reality and you look in the directory and you find like you know someone's page and it'll take you to like their home space like an actual house and you're walking around their house like uh, uh, um, Minecraft and you're going to see other people there and you'll be like, hey, who are you? And everyone's got like an avatar. And you're like, oh, how do you know this guy? 
like, oh, that's my cousin, he's my nephew, or, or he's my co-worker, and then you're like, oh, look at these pictures, because you're looking at his Instagram room, or like, uh, you could jump into a video game, what, everything, you go to the bank, like, everything is going to be seamless and integrated, it's going, all of the, 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 you walk into your, your, you walk into your kitchen to your smart device, but you're only doing this holographically, but you're doing it, um, I mean, it's still like the internet, but because the technology, the goggles and the way the biofeedback works, it really feels like you're there. All right. So like, that's kind of like a metaverse. Like if, if, if that pic, if, if I created a picture, that would be the metaverse and how it's different than the internet that we know it right now, but it's also kind of similar to it. It's the next logical step. It's the integration of all of the different technologies. So that's what Mark is saying. He's like, listen, this is where it's going. This, and we're, 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 we're aligning all of our sales to go in this direction. All right. So, so we're going to begin by looking at what's actually said in the presentation, what's actually said in this presentation. Um, and I mean, when I first saw the presentation, I heard that it came out. I was like, oh, I want to go check this out. And I went to YouTube and I saw there was a three minute video and I saw there was 11 minute video and I watched the 11 minute video and I was like, what the hell did I just watch? And so for like a day or two, I was like, this is something. And then I realized, oh no, it's actually an hour long presentation. And that, that, that nine, that 11 minute video I saw was just a, a uh, an edited together highlight reel. Um, so I would certainly uh, recommend watching it if, if you're curious to see for yourself what is being said. And I watched it, but I found it more significant to read it, to read it, you know. And so I'm going to make reference to the, the, the transcript, which you can find online. So uh, this is, what, this is what, what Zuckerberg says. He says, you're going to spend all your time in the metaverse. We will con connect directly to your brain and you're going to need money in the metaverse too. All right. So, so these, these things are, are buried, you know, they're just like one sentences They're one sentences, which, which you could just pick up. But like, if you've got like, if you know what you're looking for, it's going to jump out. It's going to jump out very, very clearly. So you'll be in here all day. So this is around the one hour mark. He makes this one line. Immersive all day experiences will require a lot of novel technologies. So the way this video, the, the way the, the presentation is set up is you start with like Mark Zuckerberg and he's like talking to the camera and then he goes into this 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 digital recreation of the metaverse and he's like demonstrating this is what the metaverse is going to be like and he's talking all about it and he's giving examples and then he moves back into like real world Mark Zuckerberg and it shows him having conversations with the heads of different departments within Facebook and each head is like this is where we are with you know, with this particular technology, with headsets, with, 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 uh, I don't know, with handsets. And he, it's a showcase. It's a showcase. And so that's what I'm, I'm, I'm taking these quotes out of, like from that, from that, from that part of, or from, from a presentation, which 
was done like that. So at one point he's talking to like one of the heads and you know one of the one of the hardware departments and he's like uh, immersive all day experiences will require a lot of novel technologies and he's saying this because they're talking about like making making like the stuff comfortable but the point is why the hell am I in in an immersive all day experience like think about having to be on a Zoom call all day long. I can't stand being on Zoom for more than 30 minutes. All right. You will work here. This is what Mark is saying. Over the past year and a half, a lot of us who work in offices have gone remote. And while I miss seeing the people I work with, I really think remote work is here to stay. You really think that? So we're going to need a lot better tools to work together. Let's take a look at what working in the metaverse will be like. Because you're going to be working in the metaverse. Why? Because your immersive all-day experiences are going to be in the metaverse. They're making the equipment. So like you're going to want to wear it or at least it's bearable. In fact, they're making two lines of, uh, of equipment. I'll talk about that in a moment. You're going to spend your alone time here. So here he's saying, um, you get to decide when you want to be with other people. He's talking about being in the metaverse. When you want to block someone from appearing in your space or when you want to take a break and teleport to a private bubble to be alone. So the the idea which is being suggested is that like, listen, like I need, I need some time to myself. I need some time to myself. You don't take your friggin' headphones off. You don't take your goggles off. You just go into another room while you're by yourself. And it's this, uh, and it's going to be good. And trust me, it's going to be good. It's going to be addictive and real. And it's going to be all this sort of stuff. But you're going to be expected to be in your immersive all day experiences. And even when you're like, I need a break, you're still in there. AT&T, you will. <laughs> all right, where's the next slide? You're going to have brain implants. Remember, the, uh, the metaverse is an integration of all technologies and platforms. Um, you know, only on paper is, is, is Elon Musk's Neuralink um, uh, separate. <laughs> it's all together. They're all moving in the same direction. You know, Diet Coke or, or Diet Pepsi, as long as you're drinking it. So here's the line. And we believe that neural interfaces, so neural means of the nervous system. The nervous system is your brain and your spinal cord. We believe that neural interfaces are going to be an important part, an important part of how we interact with AR glasses. So he's actually talking about um, augmented reality. That's one of these, these like midpoints, like an augmented reality. You're still walking around out on the street, but they're saying like, even in those, you're going to need to have these neural, uh, these, these, these interfaces, just even for the augmented reality. So you definitely are going to want it for the virtual reality. And then it says here, I, I love this line. It turns out, you're not even going to believe this, guys. It turns out that we all have unused neuromotor pathways. Almost as if they've been waiting for me to come and start to use it to connect you to the metaverse. I mean, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm being honest, when, when I do hear there's unused motor pathways, I don't know if there's unused motor, neuromotor pathways or not, but let's say there really are. Let's say there really are. Uh, 
you do have to go and wonder what was we don't know who designed the human being we've got some we've got some big blind spots most mostly the the how the subconscious works you know maybe we were designed i don't know i don't buy that but i'm gonna at least bring that up as a as a as a as a possibility as a possibility but as mark says he wants to use your neuromotor pathways for his interfaces with the with the metaverse um you know and, and, and this is what what we this is what he's saying they're going to be able to do right now i mean I don't know if he's saying that you have the that they're commercially viable technologies right now, but this is what he is revealing on how people are going to use it. So basically what you're saying is you're just going to be able to send a text message by thinking about moving your fingers. So it is at it is it is it is at that level which they're already telling you of cognitive interaction with with the with 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 the metaverse. Um, you're going to need money there. You're going to have to buy things in the metaverse. In the future, you're going to be able to buy digital clothes for your avatar because what you're going to have is you're going to have this avatar, which is going to be walking all around and is going to be the representation of you. You know, it's not going to be, uh, <laughs> I mean, this is my guess. I mean, this is what makes the most logical sense. It's tied to all of your, like, you know, your social credit scores and all of that sort of stuff and your social security number and your blockchain account and all that sort of stuff. And you're walking around and then you got to go buy clothes. You're like, I got to buy clothes in this reality and that reality. Yes, yes, you're going to have to go buy these clothes. You're going to have to buy everything. You're going to have to buy everything. He showed you in the beginning, like, you're going to have a house, but you can make your house any way you want. You're going to have to buy that. You're going to have to buy everything. It's the same game. It's just a different field. All right. One last thing uh, out of Mark's mouth. <laughs> the metaverse is a soul trap for all of eternity. All right. So at the one minute, uh, the one hour and 14 minute mark. So this is in the portion of the video where he is uh, moving away from the technology and he's moving to the business side. And he's like, hey, guys, we're going to go and um, we're going to go and uh, uh, rebrand into Meta. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. And, and realize like part of the story of um, part of the story of the Zuckerberg character is that he's, you know, he's, he, he's an intellect. He's a smart guy. He went to Harvard. He scored a 1600 on his SATs. And so when he says right here, he says, um, I hope that people come to know the meta brand in the future that we stand for. I used to love studying the classics. And so are studying classics. So he's making reference. He's tapping into his known history as being an academic, an intellectual. Um, and the word meta comes from the Greek word because the classics are the Greeks. You know, he's, he's familiar with the Greek language and he went to Harvard and he's super smart. And, and he's like, you know, and meta, the word meta, it means beyond. And to me, it symbolizes that there's always more to build. So the other, the other part of the Mark Zuckerberg storyline is that he's a good Jewish boy. He's a good little Jewish boy. He's not a Hasidic Jew. He's not an Orthodox Jew. He's like a good, a good little Jewish boy. And you're telling me this good little Jewish boy who's so uh, aware of the classics in the Greek and, and never crossed his mind to go and look at what, what the word meta means in Hebrew. 
And and me saying that is like making an assumption that Mark Zuckerberg's even involved with anything and there's even a real Mark Zuckerberg. But I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with the fact that there's a real Zuckerberg and some of the story's true. And the Hebrew word for, 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 for meta means dead. This is your death verse. This is your death verse, Mark. <laughs> Where did the internet begin? It began in the minds of the military industrial complex. The internet began as an idea in the minds of people whose jobs it is to, to economically come up with the most effective way to kill as many human beings as possible. So yeah, it makes sense that it's the death verse. Alright. Let's go into some... <laughs> I don't know. I crack myself up. You know why I'm laughing? Because I haven't done one of these videos for so long. I'm 55 minutes into it, and I think I'm a third of the way there. Is this going to be a three-hour video? Maybe I'll break it up a couple times. Uh, if you can't tell by the sound of my voice, it's fun to be back. I love to do this sort of stuff. I just wish I was doing it in front of people. Anyway, so here's some other meta alarms. All right, I'm going to play this for you. I hope the sound comes through. I think it does. But even if it doesn't, you're going to know what, what's going on. This, okay, so this is, let me, let me give the setup. So this is in the beginning of the meta presentation. And we see Mark being like regular Mark. And then he transform into uh, digita, digitalized Mark in this synthetic world of the metaverse. And then he goes into like double deep metaverse. And in this... Double Deep is where you see all of these avatars. So these are avatars, and they're in one of these like metaverse like hangout spaces where you and all your friends get to hang out. And Mark just arrives, and they're talking to all these folks, and then some friends of theirs who are out in the regular world, they they call in on their um, on their phone. But the question is, where's where's this camera that they're looking at? You know, if that's that's that the idea is that they're they're calling in from some technology outside of being hooked up to all to to like Google glasses or or, or Oculus glasses, whatever it's called. Um, so that's who these people are right here. So they're out in the real world and they call in to their metaverse space and they're having a conversation. So with that being said, let's go. What the hell did we just watch? What the hell did we just watch? Look at this thing. Like this is <clears throat> Let's put on the hat like like this is let's put, let's assume this is all completely like real and and the the presentation, the mar the, the the Facebook Connect presentation is like a legit thing. Like it's there's no like we're moving you down to the metaverse line of of of, of reality, you know what I'm kind of suggesting and that, that this is all, you know, driven by or at least behind the scenes by um military industrial complex, intelligence complex, all those different sort of things and whatever they actually are. Um 
Let's assume this is legit. Let's assume that there was some, like, you know, I don't know if they would do this in-house or they'd have an agency, but they wanted to create this presentation. They're like, all right, we want to demonstrate that there can be a, so what they called it was a augmented reality street art. So if you have your augmented reality uh, glasses and you're walking down the street, you wouldn't just look at like this graffiti. You would see this, this, this augmented reality and then this super cool thing happens. So this super cool thing, uh, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. And what I mean by that is as someone, you know, this is Mike speaking, as someone who does like what I do right here, uh, uh, someone who, who does a lot of one-on-one -on -one, uh, uh, sessions, I understand the techniques and the significance and the importance of relating to people. Anyone who deals with communication like knows these things. And undoubtedly, the people who would go and develop this are very skilled in that as well. And so what they'd want to do is they're going to want to show you something which is going to be relatable to a human being. And but they also want to do something this is me saying like if they're going to if this was like on the surface, if this was like on the level. And so they probably but they want to do something fantastical. Like they could have done something like, you know, have mists coming out or dragons because like humans have like, you know, we know we've seen Lord of the Rings, that's relatable. Or we could go and 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 see you know, like a person or words you know that's what graffiti is it's something that's relatable but they showed you this monstrosity they showed you this monstrosity and the only thing it friggin looks like is parasitic friggin worms and if you're watching this channel if you're if, if, if this is something you know if, if if you're one hour into this presentation you are undoubtedly aware of the significance of parasites and particularly interdimensional parasites you know this is what they chose they even have this cern circle so if you go and watch this again you know i would say pause it watch it like they're what they're saying like oh wow this is so amazing oh the movement i can't even believe it it's the stupidest friggin' thing in the world but what it is is it's interdimensional friggin' parasites it, it, that's what they're showing you and so are they laughing at you are they telling you this is the real thing? Because I don't buy for a second that someone above the board would have would have come up with this as their example of what augmented reality street art is. And yeah, I'm being a little bit subjective right here. But what's extremely objective is whereas this looks like nothing related to street art, it makes perfect sense that it is this 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 it looks like a parasitic ball and it's got this CERN spiral in the middle. Go and look at it again. It's 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 ridiculous. I I watch this. Oh God, it's 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 funny. It's funny. Like this is when this is when 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 I see this, this is when I'm like, I know it's all a joke. Like when I say it's all like the whole big thing, like you know the greater mystery, because this is kind of funny and it's funny for us because we know they're they're being silly. So all right. So and here's the other thing which they're saying. Now let's get into like, well, well, maybe we should be concerned about interdimensional parasites. Well, you know, maybe, but they've always been here. But 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 let's talk about. Let's go and, and look at the uh, parasites because there are parasites, I suppose, and there are. <laughs> you know, I'm I've never seen one. 
I've never seen one, but I'm certainly open to the idea. It makes sense to me that such a thing exists because they exist on the material plane. And on the material plane, what makes a parasite? A parasite has two qualities. Um, not only does it live off of its host and give nothing of value in return, it is able to mind control the host. And what that means is it makes the host want inside so it's seemingly coming from their own mind exactly what it is that the parasite actually wants the host to consume so the parasite wants something they're going to make the host then want think that they want it and then they'll consume it and then the parasite gets to live off of it and so that's that's what these are that's how these operate that's how this operates you know, and this, this whole the study of understanding the emerging branch of science that deals with parasites that control the nervous system, neuroparasitology. Remember, they're telling you the same guy, the same guy who said, look, look, look at this amazing street art. Look at the movement. Oh yeah. You got to give him a, you got to give the artist a dollar tip because he's got to make his, he's got to earn his keep. He's got to earn his friggin' keep and he's going to earn his keep by handouts. Um, same guy who's saying all of that, uh, who showed us that, who's also telling us that he's creating neural interfaces, you know, it's, 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 he wants to get as deep into, they're, they're telling us, they're showing us, they're saying to it that, yeah, we're going to go and, and neural interfaces is what we're, uh, <laughs> we're, we're for parasitical attacks, attacks, attachment, you know, that is in, that is in the game. So, all right, let's move on to the next one. There's something off with Boz's hands, and he wants to make certain you notice. So, all right, this guy is Boz. We learned that throughout the video. He is Boz. There's Mark right there. Now, look at this. This is supposedly like regular Boz, real person Boz. Um, and then you look at his hands right here, and look how blue they are. Look how blue they are. Um, I'll go a little bit deeper into this in a moment, but... You know, I don't really know what this is. I don't know if this is completely uh, um, computer generated. Is it like video of a person and then computer enhanced? Uh, is it a clone? I don't know. But <laughs> but nonetheless, they want us to pay attention to his hands. In fact, at this point, he's talking about the hands. Boz is the head of the... the um, He's the head of, of, of I think, the uh, virtual reality department within, within Meta, within Facebook. And so this is this, the transcript of what he's saying right here. And he's like, in fact, let's start with the hands. I mean, the, hand, the human hand is an engineering marvel, and bringing hands into virtual reality was no easy feat. It required a lot of collaboration, collaboration against product design research, but we continue to improve the product. So they're, they're, they're talking about hands. They're talking about hands and then very specifically about the significance of hands within virtual reality. All right. Everything in the background. So this background is definitely all artificial. It's possible that it's a real space, which they've digitized. Um, regardless, regardless, every, every part of this background is, is purposeful. It's very, very purposeful. And the placement of these two characters in front of the background is purposeful. So when you got a guy with glowing blue hands and they're just blue enough, like if, uh, that, that 
you know, maybe you would pay attention like a regular person's going to pay attention to it. And they'll be like, hey, why is his hand so blue? But they're not like in your face blue. Like it's most people aren't even going to pay attention to that. Most people are, you know, they're just going to, it's going to brush over, but it's going to stick out uh, definitely in, in a subconscious way. And um, definitely for anyone like us who's paying attention to details. Um, but we have right over his left hand shoulders, we have, we have these boxing gloves. So we've got this guy talking about hands and we've got the glow in hands and then we've got hand symbology right behind him. And, you know, I'm not saying this is what they're doing, but this is definitely going to hit the subconscious is like, oh, I'm telling you that we're taking the gloves off. You know, be ready to act in an uncompromising or ruthless way. Uh, I don't know if he's saying I've taken the gloves off, but nonetheless, you know, that was there. There's a whole lot of, there's a whole lot of mystery with these hands. Um, and where it really got interesting to me is the fact that there are so many layers of reality being played upon um, in this video. So here we see three different layers of reality with Mark Zuckerberg. So this is supposedly Mark Zuckerberg in like a real office background, like real and real. And then this is Mark Zuckerberg in a false augmented reality background. But then this is, this is real Mark Zuckerberg, but look at this light on him. Uh, the, it's evident that it's, it's, if it's like I was saying about Boz's hands, like, you know, this is either a digital version of Mark or a, a, a digitally enhanced version. I don't know, but this is like a midpoint. And then we've got this other Mark where we've got like completely digital Mark or, or, or avatar Mark in a completely did, uh, uh, false background. And it just kind of blends. It's blending within the back of the video. It's in the back of the mind of the viewer. And so, these are just hypnotic techniques and they are, they're like, it's, 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 it's the grooming techniques. It's like, it's blend, like, don't, 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 don't pay attention. Like what reality is what reality? Uh, it doesn't matter. They all, it's all fluid. It's all fluid. There is no reality. There's no digital and material. It's all just a bunch of, 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 of impulses and electro electronic, uh, signals happening in the brain. There's no difference. It's all fluidity. That's going to be the message. I guarantee that's being the message, but where the hands got really interesting to me is within the realm of lucid dreaming. So lucid dreaming is the practice of becoming conscious that you're dreaming because typically what happens when someone is dreaming is that they think that they that that's reality they're 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 completely thinking that this is reality and um and it's not until you wake up you're like whoo you know if you ever said thank god that's only a dream lucid dreaming is the practice of like becoming aware that you are dreaming and then dreaming becomes a different experience so lucid dreaming has all sorts of different implications. I, you know, I'm not going to, you can go into that your own way, but uh, on your own, <laughs> you know, in, in outside of this video. But lucid dreaming definitely deals with consciousness and reality on the most basic level. And a very common technique to learning how to become lucid and then also recognizing when you're dreaming has to do with finding your hands. It has to do with finding your hands. Um, you hear about it in um, Castaneda books. 
there are a lot of reality or um, uh, lucid dreaming, lucid dreaming, like instructional books, and they talk about using the hands as reality checks. And so what that means is you, what the hand is linked to is kind of how you know what reality you are in. And, you know, I'm not going to go any further down in there, but I, I, I want to introduce just this idea of the blendings of reality and the linking of, of, of what is going to be your understanding of what reality you are in. Like this is in the video they're telling you this is significant as it relates to your hands. We know that that's part of lucid dreaming and we know that they're building the metaverse. So, all right, I'm going to keep on moving. Uh, yeah, I mean, here's the other thing. This is off the shelf. This is off the shelf. Make your own, make your own from scratch. It's the, 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 the software is called MetaHuman. And this is what, like you could go here and like change everything you want. And this is what one of these 100% fake people look like. And, you know, look at that compared to like the real Mark Zuckerberg. Like, I don't know what we're looking at. I don't know what we're looking at. So I just want to throw that in there. So we're going to move on. So, <clears throat> Easter eggs and synchromistic cinematic storytelling. All right. This article right here, written July 27th, 2021. So a couple months before the Metaverse commercial. Mark Zuckerberg outlines his vision for a Ready Player One-like Metaverse, and it sounds wild. And so... The point I'm trying to make right now is that there is a link between this movie called Meta, or called Ready Player One, uh, it's a Steven Spielberg film, um, and the metaverse. In fact, what, what was demonstrated in Ready Player One is, is the Spielberg version telling people what the metaverse is going to look like. So the picture in your mind, so part of what's happening right now is we are, uh, when I say we, the masses, they are being instructed a way to perceive this metaverse which is coming. And so, you know, this is the definition of propaganda. You control the pictures which people hold in their minds. And so the picture in the mind <coughs> of the metaverse to be was originally uh, demonstrated in Spielberg's Ready Player One. So we want to look at Ready Player One and the Facebook Connect keynote presentation, all that stuff which I just showed you with Zuckerberg. We want to look at that as a complementary commercial for a false reality that's being peddled. All right. So here are two characters, the Enchanter and the Dope Man. <laughs> and I'm just saying that because that's what their names are. So what is Zucker's name? So Zucker, Zuckerberg, what does Zucker mean? Zucker is a name which is um, dealing with sugar. It means sugar. It's a dealer in sugar. And what do we know about sugar? Sugar is all about addiction. We are like sugar is the most addictive substance out there. And it is linked in its addictive quality. It's addictive quality has to do with dopamine releases. Like it's the dopamine from a chemical level, you know, within the human body. It's like the dopamine and the sugar and the addiction. And so 
we know that that Zucker has a connection with dopamine, and we also know what Facebook's got a connection with dopamine, and they're all run by Zuckerberg. It's always been designed. He's your dope man. Facebook has been designed from the beginning to be your dope man. And then we got Spielberg. What does Spiel mean? Spiel is a speech delivered to sell or promote something. So we've got the enchanter and we've got the dope man and they're selling us the metaverse. All right, and before we get into Ready Player One, we also have to remember Spielberg has demonstrated there are a couple cultural touch points which are looked upon as vehicles that predicted accurately what the future would look like, and we know that through hindsight. And we, I used the AT&T commercials in the beginning of this video, and now I'm going to go uh, and I'm going I'm to show you that Spielberg is on that short list as well in his movie Minority Report. Minority Report is a um, is one of these cultural touch points of a vehicle that accurately predicted the future. Spielberg, you know, and he possibly like, you know, in the highest tier of Hollywood directors, of course. So Spielberg also did, and, and so we want to take that in consideration, the fact that Spielberg did Ready Player One as well. Like he's one of these guys. He's one of these, these, these promoters and these, these, these salesmen of what the future is to look like, or at least the picture in your mind of what the future is to look like. So uh, Ready Player One, it was a movie that came out in 2018. It's set in 20, uh, 2045. Much of humanity uses the Oasis, a virtual reality simulation to escape the real world. The orphaned Wade Watts finds clues to a contest that promises ownership of the Oasis to the winner, and he and his allies com uh, try to complete it before an evil corporation can do so. So Oasis is like the metaverse. They're calling it the Oasis. And it is uh, in Ready Player One, it is positioned that the entire metaverse is owned by one company. Uh, and it's called the Oasis. And it's it's exactly what I was describing. What And what Boz was describing, what the metaverse is. You got your goggles on and you got like your heptech suit on. And like you have, you're just going from world to world to world to world to world. And what's happening though is the outer world is um it's 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 just a, a horrible place and huge despair and poverty and all this sort of stuff so the oasis the reason why they call it the oasis is it gives people something to do escape their horrible lives they could be anyone in the oasis so this is this is our spielberg film so ready player one is both a story about finding easter eggs and a film loaded with Easter eggs. So an Easter egg is a message, image, or hidden uh, feature in software, a video game, a film, or other electronic medium. And so it's like this hidden little inside joke or, or something to be found. So this is from, uh, that's just a general definition of, a, of an Easter egg. And then this is the from the plot of Ready Player One. So after Halliday's death, so Halliday is the guy who invented the Oasis. He, um, uh, a pre-recorded message is left by his avatar, um, Anoric, and he announces the game, granting ownership of the Oasis. So there's a contest, 
And after this guy dies, this is the guy who owns the company, he invented the Oasis, and he dies. And then he says that he is going to go and grant um, uh, ownership to this of the biggest company in the world at this time. Um, and there is a golden Easter egg in the Oasis, and the first person to find it, uh, they get to they're they're going to be the owner of the Oasis. Like that's the kind of the premise of the movie. So it's quite literally, it's quite literally a a movie whose plot is about finding an Easter egg, um, and the movie itself is filled with Easter eggs. So Easter eggs are like little, like winks or, or inside jokes uh, on a certain topic, which only someone who is familiar with that language would know. So in Ready Player One, one of the key topics was 80s pop culture. And so there's all of these 80s pop culture Easter eggs. And so you can see all of these articles about like the complete list of the 165 different Easter eggs found in Ready Player One. So I just want to point this out. Another definition of the word meta deals with, with um, self-reflection. And so the idea of a movie about Easter eggs having Easter eggs within it, uh, you know, that would be like, oh, how meta, like would be how the, the, you would use it linguistically. So, you know, want to add that Easter egg into it. But now what we're going to do is we're going to look at, at what I call synchromistic links, but these are Easter eggs. It's all the same sort of thing. They're these connections. They're these inside jokes for people who are paying attention. Whether the inside joke was done purposefully or consciously or done for something else, well, you know, that's part of the mystery of life, my friends. So we're going to begin with this. Besides the general similarities between Zuckerberg's metaverse and the Oasis in Spielberg's Ready Player One, there are also some very, very specific synchromistic connections. This is how we know that they are linked to one another. And when you see these links, like, you know, it's really meant to get into the subconscious of the individual. And so part of it is it's, it's a commercial. So when you hear about when you want anyone who watched the, the, the metaverse presentation, and if they happen to have seen Ready Player One, certain these connections were made deep, deep in their in their mind. So let's go to this. This is Boz, and he's talking to um, to Zuck right here. And in the movie Ready Player One, and they're best friends. These guys are, are we're told that they're best friends. And so in Ready Player One, these two are our best friends. And so this is the main character, and he goes by Z, and she goes by H. Okay, and we see them in the film both as as regular human beings, and then we see them as avatars, as a digital version. It's very similar to that metaverse commercial where or presentation where it's this blending of of um, it's this blending of of realities. And and to be quite honest, when this movie came out in 2018, there was a part of me that wanted to see it. Uh, for, for research reasons, like I knew when it came out, I'm like, this is going to be an important, like, uh, telling of what, uh, it's going to be a synchromistic movie. And so I wanted to see it, but I wouldn't watch it because I was so repelled by the 
part of this movie which was digital, the, the, the computer animation. I couldn't look at it. Like, I really wanted to watch it because I was going to go and research it and do, like, the sort of things I do, but I literally couldn't watch it. I'm like, this, I, I can't sit and watch this. It's just too much. Well, I watched this movie after, the met, after the, um, seeing the meta presentation. So this was, like, two weeks ago. And the repulsion, which I felt three years ago, I did not feel it all this time. And that was a little bit of a wake-up call for me. Because what that indicates is that that digital technology has become so normalized to me. At the time, I was repulsed by it when it first came out. But now looking at it, I was like, oh, that, what's the big deal? Like, this is, how, this is how it sucks you in. I'm the dude who's telling everyone it's sucking us in, and I'm seeing how it's sucking me in. All right. So let's keep, <laughs> let's keep on going. All right, so ready, for, as I was just saying, so uh, these were the characters we just saw. Parsifal, he's known as Z, and then H, we could see right here, this is the script. We could see H refers to him as Z. He, she refers to the Parsifal character as Z the whole time. Uh, we could see their best friends. This is the Wade or the Z character. You see how confusing it is? There are so many different names, and, and that's part of the, the blending of different realities. So H was my best friend. So they're best friends. They're best friends right there. And so this right here, this is this is uh, Wade Owen Watts, Parsifal Z, uh, his his avatar in the Oasis, and this is H in the Oasis. As I showed you a little bit earlier, this is what they look like uh, in the part of the movie where they're not in the Oasis. So now in material reality, and I definitely put material reality in quotation marks, Metaverse star Andrew Boz Bosworth. Is Zuckerberg's best friend and so the only reason I know that is because in all of the the puff pieces which are out there about this guy they tell us that they're best friends so uh, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg is propping up a previous good friend and former Harvard instructing assistant Andrew Boz Bosworth to, uh, in a time of hassle for the corporate here's key points Facebook CEO is turning to old friend the new chief technology officer so I guess he's chief technology officer this is uh, his Wikipedia page. Uh, American technology executive. Um, after graduating from Harvard in 2004, he worked as a developer for Microsoft and then joined Zuckerberg from Facebook where he, so it's, it's you know, we're, we're, we're told this story. Who knows, maybe they're friends, maybe they're not. So back to H. So H, so we see this parallel right here. We've got Z and we've got Z and we've got H and we've got Boz. We can see how there's some similarities. They're best friends. We can see them across. They kind of look like each other, uh, particularly these two. Like, you know, you wouldn't think like, you, you, uh, like this black woman here and this white dude here, or you would say they look alike, but in the level, in the sense that they both have like a similar shape head. They both have like really round cheeks. Like there's, there's a general similarity there. But that's not the big one. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really putting my 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 stake in the ground on that one because this is where it's I I think the bigger similarity. That's just like you know uh, uh, adds to the story. So this was what H looks like regularly in the Oasis. But then H also turned into this. You see all of these like if you're watching the movie, it makes sense. Like. It's told in a way which, which you don't have to watch it three times like a Christopher Nolan film, but there's all of these like blending, 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 fluid, fluid, fluid. All right. 
So here is Boz in the metaverse. Remember this video? Remember the parasitic, the parasitic interdimensional wormhole that came in through here? Well, this was a couple moments before those two called in. And this is Boz. He's like, oh, hey, Mark. So here's the, uh, um, here is the, the transcript from that part. So after, uh, so Zuck, he goes, Boz, is that you? Boz responds, of course it's me. You know I had to be the robot man. And then Zuckerberg, and this is more of like their jokiness. I thought I was supposed to be the robot. Like there's a real sense of humor done in here, right? Because because like, you know, it's Z Zuckerberg's a robot. Zuckerberg's a clone. Zuckerberg's not human, you know? Um, so they're playing on that. So this is, this is Boz. This is Boz. This is H. Boz is a robot. H is a robot. Zuckerberg is a human as human uh in the in in the metaverse and then this is this is Z in the metaverse so we see the similarity we see there's a link there so let's go on to another so Oasis takes place in 2045 and so this is going to be meaningful to any Ray Kurzweil influenced singularity uh you know people who are into the singularity movement and within that there are a couple different uh uh you know official talking heads and Kurzweil is one of them he's one of the the uh he now I, I think he's got like a c-level position like a c-level position with no responsibility at google but he's very well known for his book the singularity is near and he put in the ground that 2045 is the year of the singularity and you know that's kind of um told throughout uh you know mainstream selling of of the singularity so we got 2045 and 2045 so now we got this so so the oasis it's a it's owned by a company and the company this is all fictitious when i say this like so in the movie the oasis is owned by a company and the company in the movie is called gregarious uh, simulation systems. And where are they located? They're located in um, Columbus, Ohio. Who else is located in Columbus, Ohio? Leader Technologies. Remember when I was going on to Leader Technologies? Um, go, uh, about their significance of the real inventor or, or creator of, of the platform which Facebook is using? Well, we've got Columbus right here. So we've got that connection. Leaders Technology in, um, in Columbus. Uh, here's another one. So we got Oasis, the word itself, like, you know, it's very evident is this, we could see the OSS. And so OSS is the, the precursor to the CIA. Remember? And, and, and we got the, we've got the Mark Zuckerberg dossier and like all of the evidence and all like, there's so, you know, it's, it's common knowledge about the, about the role of the CIA within, within, um, within the technology sphere right now. So we got that as well. So Ready Player One also connects to the Hunger Games and it's most obviously connected through this character Artemis. So in Ready Player One, the the um, the female love interest is uh, for the main character Z or Parsifal. Um, his his love interest is uh, is Artemis. One of the movie characters was named after the Greek goddess of the hunt, Artemis, and 
Her name is, uh, she was played by Samantha Cook. Da, 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 da. Um, the girl is hunting for the Easter egg. So this is what she looks like in, in the movie when they show her regular self. This is her avatar self. Here's like one of the movie posters for it. And I've covered this in a, another video. I went really deep into it in um, in the the Biden Dupont uh, <laughs> uh, AstraZeneca video. I don't even remember what that was called. But what I went into is the fact that that the main character from The Hunger Games, Katniss, is an obvious representation of the Greek goddess Artemis. And so, you know, these are all the, I, right here are two videos which are just all about saying like, these are all the similarities between Katniss and Artemis. So Katniss and Artemis. And so we have uh, the character, um, we have this character here who's Artemis. So we see there's a link between the two. Um, here we can see even in their marketing material, they're like strangely similar, primarily in red. So the reason, what, one of the key points I think about connecting Ready Player One to, um, to the Hunger Games and, and, and kind of like this whole sort of selling of the metaverse also is going hand in hand with the idea of life outside of the metaverse is being um is being filled with despair this is what this is what life look like this is supposedly columbus 2045 in ready player one uh, this is where that parsifal character lives in regular life it's just um stacked upon stacked uh, uh trailers and you know that's the reason why they call it the oasis because it's an escape from that and it was shown a little bit differently within hunger games but hunger games would have all of these different districts which north america was broken up into uh and the majority of them were very much impoverished and this is the one which which um katniss aka or artemis came from and it's more of like a coal mar coal mining um, impoverished sort of area. It's not this like high density sort of thing, but but the similarity is that it deals with this horrible kind of like impo impoverished sort of uh, life in the future. Um, and then also what is similar between these two is Hunger Games is all about these games created to to escape like you know this is your only escape outside of of this poverty is if you win the hunger games and and here though it's not quite as dramatic where you would die you know you would be killed in the hunger games but here the only way you would ever have any opportunity of not living in this is if you you won you were the first to find that that um that easter egg and I'm, i'll go back a little bit more to this in a couple slides but i want to keep moving on um so if we're talking, if we're talking connections, Spielberg's Minority Report is also in the mix. So we got to see like all of the different vehicles, like uh, they're they're connected. It's a web. Like you know, once you get into the web, there's so many different ways you can go. So I'm just pulling out all of these different sort of nexus points of the web, which goes from from human being to 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 project like a movie to a company and so that's kind of the the lines which we are which which we're we're, we're climbing upon so um 
Spielberg directed both Ready Player One and Minority Report, where futuristic technology plays prominently in both films. That, I'll get to that in a moment about Hunger Games. Technology isn't really showcased there, but we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that in a moment. So the first thing is, you know, this really isn't, you know, I'm just throwing this out. Um, this isn't, though, that big of a one. Uh, the 2045 is a big date. Um, and it was tied in with Ready Player One. Minority Report takes place in 1954. Uh, you know, it's a reversal of the numbers. That's done a lot, but, you know, that's not really the big one. The big one to me is this. Both of, both of these movies, um, Minority Report and Ready Player One, and so both of these are... Um, we know, for we know for certain that Minority Report has shown to be accurate at predicting futures. Um, and I'm going to suggest that Ready Player One is going to be looked at, you know, in the same light. And one of the things which these two have in common is that there are virtual reality prisons. So in, in um, Minority Report, there is a virtual reality uh, prison via brain interfaced uh, used as a halo center. That's what they call it in Minority Report. And in Ready Player One, they have these prisons um, which are called loyalty centers. So here we have, what are loyalty centers? This is talking about Ready Player One. You can see that right here. Some of the virtual reality, uh, some kind of virtual reality debtor's prison where you are worked meanly in virtual environments as a form of hard labor until you've paid off your debts. So in Minority Report, if you're found guilty, rather than being um, having to be in uh, like a jail with a prison yard and concerned about the shower, they put you in a, um, a halo prison where you are induced in a brain interface virtual reality of some sort of hard labor. So we see that. And we see, like, this is the Ready Player One's loyalty centers. This is how Spielberg showed it here. And this is what it looks like inside. And they have this on their head. And, and this is what we see in Minority Report. We see, you know, all of these are different cells. And this is what's in the cell. And you can see there's a person right here. And they're not dead. They're not dead. They're just doing their, they're paying their time for their crime right here. And it's all happening in their mind. This is all happening in their mind. And so... You can't mention sci-fi movie virtual prisons without going to the Matrix, right? This is where it all began in this presentation. That's what we have right here. This is a more extreme version, but we can begin to see the similarities. Uh, I'll throw this in as well. The Facebook Connect 21 presentation also connects to Minority Report. So this is a really famous scene within the Minority Report where where the Tom Cruise character is in front of all of these holographic computer screens. So this is a picture, this from the, the Metaverse. Um, this is the Metaverse video and they're talking about how you're going to work in the Metaverse. This is more augmented reality, but he's got the same sort of screens, the same sort of curved screens, and we can see that right there. All right, let's kind of tie all of these together. So this is our synchromistic path to the matrix as told through these videos, as revealed through these videos. So we'll begin with the Hunger Games. It is, there's a totalitarian state in the Hunger Games. Uh, the Hunger Games culture is filled with despair, particularly uh, everywhere outside of the capital district. 
And the Capital District, though, is um, a different way of technology, but it's technologically advanced. Outside of that, technology really doesn't play uh, that big of a role within the Hunger Games. And so we see the Hunger Games is connected via Katniss to Ready Player One. Ready Player One, we see a democratic state. They're not living in a totalitarian state in this film, but there is despair. And they pay, and they are part-time in the meta-universe, or in the metaverse, or in the oasis. So, like, some of the time they are in the oasis, but then they have to go back to the regular world. But it's a part-time thing. And um, other other than what we see as the oasis, there is no other real high technology shown within this this version of what America looks like in the future. You know, they were the stacked up uh, stacked up trailers or what people were, were living in. So this connects down here via Spielberg in Minority Report. So what's Minority Report? Also Democratic State. Uh, there's a middle class in this film. There's no middle classes really in these. Uh, all just uh, impoverished. Uh, it's a high-tech society. Uh, technology is throughout is throughout the culture, but there isn't a metaverse. There isn't like a place, like a virtual reality, which people go and experience life, with the exception of the prison, with the exception of the Halo prison. So we've got that. And if you look at all of these things, and if you connect them all, they're going to lead to the Matrix, which is a full-time prison metaverse. You know, you've got these characters right here. They're in the prison all the time. The whole thing is a prison. This is a despair-filled world. It's not even totalitarianism. Like, I don't even know what you would call that sort of stuff. But that is where we can go and see. We can see that there is a, there's a, there's a movement. There's a movement over to, to this matrix, this matrix environment told through movies we could look at it through here and like regular world we could see this matrix singularity we're moving we're right about here right now guys all right but i got more i got more (laughs) we got one last easter egg we got one last easter egg and it's a biggie all right so in a film that showcases easter eggs there is a tribute to stanley kubrick arguably the greatest planter of Easter eggs in film. All right. And so how it was done is there was this one world within, uh, uh, within, within Ready Player One. Um, remember how Mark talked about in the meta presentation? He's like, you'll teleport. Like that's the word he uses to go from one world to another. So in Ready Player One, they went to a world, and it is a world which is a, re, uh, it's called The Shining World, and it's a recreation of the movie The Shining. The, you know, as the story is told, the, um, the, the developer of, of the Oasis was, this was one of his favorite movies. So in the film, which is all about Easter eggs, um, there is this huge, like this is this is more than an Easter egg because it's in your face, but there is a complete recreation of um, the set and setting of the movie The Shining, and it is intermingled with uh, the characters. They have like a, um, I mean, in terms of, 
in terms of how it was done, like is me watching the film, like I was like, wow, that was done really well, um, how it was presented. But but we see that it goes into The Shining. And this is a movie about Easter eggs. This is an homage. This is a tribute, a tribute to Stanley Kubrick. You could, you know, you, we go down what The Shining is. I mean, that's no, another conversation. But 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 let's just focus right now on Kubrick. This is about Kubrick. Uh, and it was a long scene. It wasn't. It wasn't just this. It was. It wasn't a scene. It was a section of the movie because they went. They. Uh, it, it changed. The setting changed throughout. Like it went to the shining labyrinth, and you know they were in the kitchen and in the lobby, not just the elevator room two three seven. You know they 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 spent a lot of time recreating a lot of different spaces. This isn't just like one second out of the film. It was a big part of the film. So. Kubrick and Spielberg are professionally connected through the movie AI. And, um, you know, Kubrick was, was working on AI when, um, when he died. And, and Spielberg finished it. Spielberg finished it. And there's a lot of talk about, um, you know, what Spielberg did when he finished it. But, uh, They've really been working on this movie for much, much longer. I think it says uh, they were originally talking in 1985 to to the book which which AI is based upon. They were talking about doing it. So so this has been a long time. Uh, you know, I can't say for certain. I wouldn't have known for certain that Kubrick and, and Spielberg would know each other. I mean, it's a fair assumption. I would assume that being a top-tier Hollywood director, it's a small world and probably know everyone. But I know that they work together. We know that for fact. Um, and within uh, the realm of conspiracy researchers, um, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot said about Kubrick and particularly his Easter eggs. Um, and there's a lot said about what Spielberg did to AI. You know, the whole idea is that, that um, Kubrick had an untimely death due to um, showcasing too much truth in his movie Eyes Wide Shut and his refusal to re-edit it to cut out certain scenes. And then he died and, and, and you know, that's, that's, that's the story. Uh, you know, I don't have... A, I don't have a better one. I can't say that it's true, um, but I've certainly told that many times, and I believe it originated from Jay Widener. Um, so that's where that comes from. But but also within that that line of thought is is the fact that AI, the movie AI, was going to be Kubrick's revelation of um, of the of of pedophilia i don't know if it was just like like jeffrey epstein uh elite level uh pedophilia or if it was going to be about hollywood pedophilia you know arguably they're one and the same but but nonetheless that's what ai like the hidden story what what stanley was going to reveal in that film in the same way he dealt with um with secret societies and um, sex rituals within uh, elite circles in Eyes Wide Shut. And so Spielberg took that over. And it's thought that Spielberg, 
created a completely different movie and definitely eliminated any sort of indication of pedophilia. Um, and, you know, I know that story. Like, in, in, in based upon it, <laughs> yeah. Based upon the way the world seemingly works, I think it's all like those stories are ac are are more accurate than less accurate as to what's going on in in Hollywood. And it certainly seems like Spielberg is probably one of the insiders. And he's you know when you see uh, everything which which I'm presenting is like you know he's on this he is on that side if you want to look at it as sides and and uh, just watch the movie just watch the movie Goonies which was done by Spielberg in the 80s. Look at the people who was involved with it, and, 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 and it's obviously a pedophilia film. Um, not necessarily an expose, but more so like a, like a wink and a nod, in my opinion. But nonetheless, so, so Spielberg is paying tribute to Kubrick in a major way in this film, in a major way in this film. And it's, it's also, I think, a little bit complex because Spielberg's got a complex relationship with, with Kubrick. So where, where am I going with this? Where am I going with this? All right. So the tribute to Kubrick demonstrates that there's a precedent that Easter eggs are hidden in this film also about other film directors or about film directors like film directors are 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 um it's not just 80s pop culture which is filmed filled with the easter eggs but we're also seeing film directors and within ready player one the villain the villain in the film his name is nolan sorrento and his role is that of the CEO of the second largest company in the world, which is the antithesis of Oasis. So o Oasis is a technology company, which is for everything right about technology, you know, kind of like the way how, how Apple is positioned in like Fortune magazine or in mainstream magazines. And then you've got like, you know, bad, you got your bad, uh, uh, your bad guy uh, technology companies, your, your, maybe your Microsoft. So this guy is the head of the number two company called IOI. And um, his name is Nick Sorrento or Nolan Sorrento, excuse me. And um, he's the bad guy. And, and I'm going to suggest, I'm going to suggest that Nolan is a, a connection to Christopher Nolan. Um, I mean, obviously, like the names are similar, but then also we know that this is a film which goes deep about um, other filmmakers within their Easter egg, within the Easter egg strategy. So now we're going to go a little bit deeper here. So the actor who played Nolan in Ready Player One plays a similar businessman villain in Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rising. So this guy, this guy who plays Nolan, here he is, this is his avatar in the, uh, in the Oasis. He actually, he's, he's, he's been in a Christopher Nolan film. And the character who he played 
was John Daggett, and it was a rival billionaire socialite who employs Bain. You know, I, I've gone in this on this movie before um, in his plan to take over of Wayne Enterprises. So now we've got this guy playing the same archetype, a business. Uh, he is a villain in this film, but he's also a businessman. He's the CEO of the of the company, and his his enemy, his his nemesis. Uh, Parsival, his name is Wade, and so now here we have have him in a Nolan film where he plays a similar type business uh, villain, and his nemesis is Wayne. You know, so we got that, but that's that's not what this is about. This is like the the setup. So why is this important? Why is this important? Nolan Sorrento, so the character, Nolan Sorrento is tricked into thinking he has left the Oasis or the Meadowverse when in fact he's still in it. He's tricked into thinking he's left, but, but they're able to make him think that he left. So he, he thinks that he's having a real world experience, but it's not. And it's like the uh, Wade is extracting information from him. But the point of this so it's, see, it says right here, Wade hacks into Sorrento's rig. This is the rig. This is where he gets to go and have his, uh, how he interacts with the Oasis. This is what the wealthy are. I forgot to tell you this. So you see, uh, Mark Zuckerberg says this in, um, in, uh, uh, in his presentation that they're coming up with two lines of hardware. One is going to be priced for uh, so everyone can afford it and then there's going to be this real like high-end, high-tech, expensive technology. It's all going to be, you know, there's all there's classes everywhere. It's all going to go the same way. Um, and in the film we see the same thing. This is where the head of the 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 uh, the other company, how he accesses the 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 they call it a rig how he accesses the oasis and then when we see wade the his nemesis who lives in those trailers like he's got like some hooked up system in the back of a trailer actually in the back of like an event an abandoned van so um that's kind of you know that's fitting into this this hunger game sort of 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 despair and and class system sort of uh um reality so anyway but but the point the point of all this the point of all this is that sorrento does not know what reality he is in nick sorrento is tricked into thinking that he has left the oasis when in fact he's really in the oasis so it's this whole scene where he's like thinking this he's in one particular reality when he is in a different reality Remember when we were talking about Boz's hands? Remember when we were talking about the different realities, the blending of realities? This is, this is the same motif. This is talking about that as well. It's showcasing it. And not just that. Not just that. Because this theme, this idea of not knowing what reality you are in, is also a theme which is played upon in a Christopher Nolan film known as Inception. Uh, this is a little bit more about dreaming as opposed to like a technological uh, uh, metaverse, but nonetheless, it's about realities, creating false realities, and getting lost in false realities. The idea that we move into a matrix, a matrix-like reality means that everyone who exists in it has no idea that they're lost in a fake technological artificial reality. 
In Christopher Nolan's inception, not knowing what reality you are in was a significant theme. And we see that this was played in uh, by Nolan. This also happened with Nolan here. So within the Christopher Nolan film, there was a concept known as a totem, which is an object that's used to no, to test to know what reality you are in. This is the same thing with what hands are done within the, the, the lucid dreaming space and is seemingly turning into something which is going to be connected to, to the, the metaverse which our good friends in Facebook are trying to create. My sense is, my sense is, my sense is I'm going to do another video talking about getting lost in realities, but my sense is this is going to be an important skill set to begin to question, not in a paranoid way, but in a realistic way, what reality you may be holding your consciousness in, and it may not be the one which you think it is. So, all right, let me go and tie all this together. Let me tie all this together at two friggin' hours. Whew. I think this might be about a two and a half hour film, <laughs> film, <laughs> video presentation. So, all right. So this is all about lost in different realities. We've got Ready Player One. It connects to Spielberg. Ready Player One, we've got this Nolan Sorrento, and it was played by Ben, uh, ben Mendelsohn. That's the name of the actor, uh, the actor who played Nolan Sorrento. We got Josh Daggett right here, uh, also played by Ben Mendelsohn. They're both businessmen, villains. John Daggett uh, was in... Nolan's, well, we'll go down here. Here's Christopher Nolan, and he connects to Josh Daggett through The Dark Knight Rises, but Nolan also did, did this, this, um, this film Inception about, about learning or understanding how to identify what reality you are in and false realities. And so that, to me, is really... If I were looking at this, so obviously I did, right? <laughs> Watching all of these movies, looking at it from this sort of perspective, the takeaway, the the value, like, you know, well, you're an interesting story, Mike, but, you know, what, what what's the point? Um, the point has to do uh, with really becoming aware, and maybe right now it's just becoming aware to to the idea that... What you see and, and what you get reality is um, is not necessarily authentic. You know, what you're seeing with, with your own eyes. The fake realities are going to sneak up. You know, so let's go look. Let's go look. You know, synchromistic storytelling versus the real world. So, you know, we are right here. We're right here. And there are false realities all around us. I mean, and I don't even mean... I don't even mean in the the techno in the 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 virtual reality. Like that's the video I want to talk about is is a an invisible virtual reality. You know, how would we know if that has been planted in front of our eyes? But I'm just talking about the regular reality. They're blending realities. This fake White House set. Like there's no sort of there's no sort of 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 trying to be to to they, they're, they, they aren't hiding the fact that they're making a ridiculous set. 
Like, oh yeah, we're making a ridiculous set. Fake pandemics, right? They're not hiding this fact. Like, there's no, like, you know, there's no, like, uh, uh, secrets behind it. We live in a world where false realities are so in our face that they don't even appear false because they're hiding in plain sight. Fake trials, fake videos, you know, we've got false realities all around us. And, you know, seemingly despair and totalitarianism are around the corner too, right? You know, it's very easy to see... It's very easy to see how a, a Ready Player One, a Hunger Games type of environment could actually, could actually show itself. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but you can see like, you know, 10 years ago, four years ago, if someone was talking about this, you know, yeah, I don't really think so. But like now you're like, well, maybe I can see how, 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 how that could be because this this x here is shifting in the last two years and particularly now that we're with mark you know prior to this mark video i would say we shifted from here to here you know that doomsday clock maybe this is my <laughs> my matrix my matrix clock but it is shifted and we can see how uh it could continue to go and shift but here's the thing here's 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 the good news my friends Remember that all stories are false realities that can deconstruct. Every, every story deconstructs one way or the other. And we live in an inverse culture that is in opposition to the growth nature of Earth. Of how Earth on baseline reality works is about growth and expansion and we live in a culture which is an inversion of those rules like it's in harmony it is in in resonance it is in resonance with these rules it's just an inversion of it and we have to remember that human beings are story beings how we are we learn best, we communicate best by stories. We love stories. And all stories, by very nature, are false reality. They can all deconstruct. They can all be told from another way. They can all be stretched. They could all be like even they could be total lies or they could be actual they could be actual accurate description of events, but they still deconstruct to a certain degree. So to be human. The human experience is an experience with false realities. <coughs> so there's nothing necessarily wrong with false realities. It's just that some are better ones than others. So the question which I'm posing right now, if you're going to be human, if you're going to hold a false reality no matter what, if you're going to tell yourself a story, if you are going to commit to a story, if you commit to anything, anything in your life, if you commit to anything other than the fact of trying to clear your mind of all stories, and you can do that. You can go and go on top of a mountain, and there are lots of practices where that is their purpose, is to devoid their mind of stories. But that's not the path for everyone. And if you're not one of those people, and you're like, well, I'm still going to be human, I'm still going to have stories, at least you are being honest. That's a honest with yourself, that you know how it is. So if you're going to be human, if you're going to hold some false narrative, and the train has left the station. You know, the metaverse is coming. 
But the question I have for you, is it the metaverse or is it the metaverse? Is it the metaverse with one T or is it the metaverse with two T's? So, all right, I'm going to come back to you here for this, for this last part. So I've been working on this presentation for, in one way or another for a couple of weeks now. And I got the slides to more or less where I wanted them to be a while ago. And I didn't record it because I was not quite, I didn't know how I wanted to end it. I didn't know how I wanted to end it. And um, I was kind of leaning towards, <laughs> remember I said I want to talk about false realities? And like, like I want to talk about some really strange sort of, 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 of like false realities because I was having all of this weird stuff which was happening in my personal life and I was like well do I want to tie that in like I I don't necessarily want to go on the record by saying like I think that they've that 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 somehow that there is a resonance maybe done through some sort of uh, uh, technology radio frequency microwave technology and like are they able to induce false realities because I was having things missing throughout my house stuff that hadn't been missing and I was going to do a really, I was thinking about it, and I was going to do a, a pretty good job tying that story into this. But it didn't sit well with me. It wasn't sitting well with me to go and end this presentation with, with like, you know, you know do, is there a false reality we need to be able to do that has been implanted over us right now? No, I'm not saying that that hasn't happened, but I'm saying I didn't want to end this video with it because because I I wanted something a little bit more solid. I wanted something a little bit more solid, and I was uh, I was talking about I was talking about it a lot, and so um, so I was at the kitchen table, and I this was just a couple of days ago, and I was talking about this to Jenny. I was like, I still just don't know how to go and 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 end this. I'm not I'm, I'm not satisfied with where I am. And, um, and she says to me, she's like, well, you know about the Buddhist con concept meta, don't you? And I'm like, what? And so <laughs> this is where we're going to go, my friends. So th th this is, the word is more so tied to Buddhism, but the concept, the concept is, uh, outside of Buddhism, uh, or is grander, greater than Buddhism. Um, I'm not a Buddhist. Uh, I've certainly um, read a lot of Buddhist books, and I, I practice some. I have uh, experimented with some Buddhist practices, uh, but, but, you know, by no means can I speak for Buddhism. Uh, but within Buddhism is uh, this word metta, and it's a concept. Metta is an ancient Pali, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correct, term meaning loving kindness, friendliness, benevolence, and nonviolence. It is a strong wish for the, the welfare and happiness of others. And then this is, this is the, the um, I don't know if this is like a, like a, is it called a kanji? Is kanji the word? I don't know. Um, the, the symbol, the script for this concept of, of, of meta. Um, and as I said, we live, we live in an inversion world. And so 
moving into meta, moving into the, the death verse. The death verse is, is certainly one story which is being told by our primary culture, but it's also pointing to the fact that there's another meta. And, you know, if you think about the state of the world right now, and you probably think about, you know, your neighbors and your family and, you know, your friends, um, this idea right now is of, of, of loving kindness, of friendliness, of benevolence and, and nonviolence is, um, you know, it's, 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 it's in short supply. It's in short supply. And so I want to talk a little bit more. Um, and and the idea of loving kindness is uh, I, I used to um, very consciously practice this uh, loving detachment. Um, I've got a lot of experience in my own inner work of working with loving detachment, which I think is very close to uh, loving kindness. But um, here, let me read a little bit more what, what, what is said about this. I, I like this. The philosophical underpinning by, under, by asserting what one thinks. Oh, so they're talking about practicing uh, uh, meta-meditations or a meta-practice, like where you would practice loving kindness, where that is one's practice for life. And, and, and their, their inner voice, their inner um, what's going on in their head, uh, the philosophical underpinning by asserting what one thinks that one becomes, this is the eternal mystery. So what they're talking about right here is more or less what I've talked about in the past is the inner world and the outer world and this feedback loop. And it's this eternal mystery. Um, uh, reflects the assumption in the ancient thought that one influences their own envi environment and situation. And good volitional acts conduce pleasant situations and bad volitional, am I pronouncing that correctly? Volitional acts conduct unpleasant situations. Um, think about, I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not suggesting everyone goes and becomes a Buddhist. I'm not going to go and become a Buddhist. But there's a certain idea here, which I think is immensely valuable and particularly in, in, in juxtaposition to what the metaverse is. Everything which I just laid out, everything which I, which we just laid out, right? right here um, kind of fits this meta. And, and as I said, like the, the idea of like talking about a, a, a philosophy um, isn't really my hot button. You know, I, I don't follow philosophy. Uh, I, because I'm not a part of any, I feel like I'm a part of all. I can go look and, and experiment and, and, and explore each and every one. But what I do talk about a lot is, um, and I have talked about in the past, is ball consciousness, and I've referred to its its opposite as Edenic consciousness. But the more I've I've been thinking about this, um, the more I've been thinking about meta one T and two Ts, I realize this is the exact same thing and this whole metaverse and what, what the metaverse represents, everything that the metaverse represents, like, you know, moving in that level, uh, in that direction, culturally, individually, all sorts of stuff. Um, that's ball consciousness and to a T, to a T. And meta with two Ts is what I would call Edenic consciousness, or as an example of Edenic, con of Edenic consciousness. 
and yeah, like we, we just went on a really, really kind of fun ride throughout Zuckerberg and Ready Play One and The Matrix and and all those sort of good films and that and that's fun. But the point of the matter is this is the path we're on. We're on this path to the metaverse. And there's seemingly no other um, there's seemingly no other options. Uh, what are you going to do? You know, the, that's why I was talking about before in the very beginning where I was saying I'm trying to become more conscious with the amount of time which I want to spend on the internet to make these videos. Um, I'm in it as much as everyone else. Like there's uh, Ready Player One. I said it once did not, I, I couldn't watch it because the graphics were just so off-putting to me, but they're not off-putting to me anymore. I watch it no problem. Um, I'm witnessing within myself, uh, uh, I'm witnessing within myself um, the effect, the gravity of being pulled in to that world and not even recognizing it. So, um, what I'm, what, there's going to be a part two of this video or at least of this topic, and it's going to be me and Jenny talking. It's not going to be like a presentation. It's going to be talking about different sort of concepts, but I think it's going to, it's going to play really, really nicely into, um, into looking at, at meta and where we are and discussing alternatives. And it it begins. I mean, it's 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 it, it begins with with having some clarity with our our thought and our words. And so, yes, I said knowing what reality you're in, but that's kind of like an uh, uh, an abstract idea. But but also, you know, I want to introduce this idea that meta, and particularly whenever we hear the word meta, and you think that it's linked to one type of definition, that there's another definition. And so that's what we're going to go into. So. That is going to probably happen in the next week. You know, I'll, I'll record that. We'll record that, Jenny and I will, and, and we'll put it out there. But I want to end this. I want to end this presentation. I want to end this presentation. For all you good folks who have stuck around, it's two minutes or two hours and 11 minutes. <laughs> I want to end with, with a little story. So I began telling you about how I didn't know where I wanted to end with this story, with this presentation. I didn't want to go into dimensions and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, and then this idea of meta as being an alternative uh, or, or the, other, the other definition or the other expression of, of Zuckerberg's metaverse. Um, you know that that came to me, and I was like, "Yes, that's where I want to go and leave this. This is the, that's that's the final idea." So that happened, but also I was still in 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 the world where I wanted to talk about the 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 what, what reality am I in? Like that's still kind of going on, and what I mean by that is all of these things have been missing in my house, and the two most important things, the two most important things to me, were. Um, the two crystals. There are two crystals which I have. Um, I've had for a while, and um, I carry them with me all the time. I've never lost them, and they were lost. And I was more, 
I was more, um, I wasn't, when things break or if I lose something, like I'm really easy to let things go. But I was concerned about this. I'm like, why, I, I don't lose things. I wouldn't have lost this crystal. Uh, I haven't had before. I've looked everywhere in the house. Like it's not here. And this is something which is really, really meaningful to me really really personal and you know metaphysical in a in like in a in a in a, in a way like ooh, crystals right you know um and it friggin disappeared and that's been really been a splinter in the back of my mind i was like i don't like that where did it go and one of the things which i did so i'm like all right well yeah, after i've searched everywhere and i've looked at all of these different options is what could have happened one of them being like you know has it disappeared did it go into another dimension like part of me doesn't believe that but then also part of me recognizes there's a lot of stuff i don't know so how do i know if that could happen i know other people say that happens all the time so i'm like well well maybe that's it and so what i did was i uh um took a bunch of other crystals which i have took uh see this crystal this crystal was a gift to me from my friend ross ben i took that crystal i took this crystal i took a bunch of other my crystals i made a bag i made a bag and i started carrying this bag around with me and i was like all right i'm gonna carry this bag of crystals i'm gonna show it to you right here i made this bag right here and I was like, all right, crystals, help me find you, help me find the missing crystal. I've been carrying that around for like a week. It hasn't helped at all. And um, this was just, this was literally just yesterday. So um, it was around seven o'clock at night and I was down in the basement. I was just, and I was thinking, I was thinking a lot about this meta. And I was thinking about, uh, there's, you know, they have these, these meta meditations. You know, you could say certain things over, which would be like the loving kindness sort of thing. And I used to do a lot of, as I said before, like a similar type of meditation, more so about like loving detachment, which is, you know, to me is like kind of like, I don't give a fuck, but I still care about you. <laughs> you know, it's boundaries. It's like, you know, creating boundaries, but like still being, still being nice, still being care, but like that ain't my shit and don't bring it to me. So like, you know, I haven't done that for a while, but I was like, well, this is new. This is new. This meta, this meta is new. Uh, and a little bit different than what I had done before, and it showed up. And so, uh, in the basement, I was like, I feel like you know, I haven't really like done a deep meditation for a while. I'm like, let me do a deep meditation. I went and I lied down on the sofa. I'm like never down on the sofa. Um, I'm in the basement right now, and I'm kind of doing like whatever it is to me what this what a meta meditation would be, and I'm exploring it, and um. I was lying down. I wasn't sitting up. And I had the bag of crystals. I had the bag of crystals on my belly. And I was starting to come out of the meditation. And I was moving my body a little bit. And the bag of crystals, it fell off my, my stomach. And it's dark in, in the basement at the time. And I'm feeling around on the sofa for where that bag of crystals was. And I couldn't find it. And I'm like searching, like there's not really much places it could have gone and, and, and I couldn't find it. And I'm starting to think, like I like to play with like ideas. Like I'll, I'll, I'll be serious with an idea, but I don't take it too seriously. And I'm like, I just felt, I just felt, the, you know, these crystals 
dematerialize and go into another another dimension. I'm like, that's what happened because it's nowhere around. I literally felt it and then I stopped feeling it. It disappeared. Like I didn't I didn't think the probability was more than four percent of that happened. But I certainly that's where I was thinking. Like that's what I wanted to think. That was the most fun for, thing for me to think. So so I go and I turn on the light and I start looking around and I go and I lift up the cushion. I go and I lift up the cushion of the sofa and I find the bag. I find this bag right here. It somehow like fell between the cushions and like went straight to the bottom. Like I don't really know how. Like, you know, if you've ever seen sofa, like the cushions are like pushed up against it. It's not like there's like a two inch uh, gap, but somehow it got to the bottom. So I went and I picked up the bag and guess, <laughs> guess what was under the bag? My missing crystal. <laughs> Uh, so I don't know. Was the crystal always down there? Did the meta meditation bring it through? Did the what happened? I don't know. But that was that it tickled me pink. So, all right, all right. So we are at we're at two seventeen, two hours, seventeen minutes. So I'm gonna wrap it up right now. So a couple things, my friends. Though I have been doing um, though I haven't been doing uh uh. Many of these presentations, or as many of these presentations, I have been putting out a weekly audio-only podcast. If you're interested, um, I'm going to include in the text of this video the RSS feed for that. Definitely take a listen to that. It's not so much about presentations. It's me and my friend Mark, and we are having a conversation every week just about stuff like this. Um, also... You know, if you feel if you feel the need to reciprocate after this video, um, always you could send me a PayPal tip. Uh, a lot of you guys do that. Um, if you've done it before, you know I'm not asking you again. Uh, but I appreciate all of them. You know, feel free to feel free to go and do something like that. That's always very appreciated. Um, and I will include in the text below the the email address which you can use for paypal and then lastly you know we're in the season where people buy gifts and so if you're one of those people who buy gifts um you can get gifts from me <laughs> so um one thing which you could get is a copy of the rights of the 40th parallel this is my guidebook to to the locations uh at the 40th parallel in the susquehanna river and providing uh, a model for having a a deep mystical experience there where to go what to do what to look for that sort of stuff and i'm also having a um i'm also having a special where i'm going to have a rights of the 40th parallel a copy of that plus a hemp traveler's bag and so these are bags my good friend paul had sent me a whole bunch of um, of former hemp bank bags, like literal bags used by the banks. And I convert them beautifully into drawstring bags, which are durable. And you can, for all you travelers out there, like these bags are awesome. I love making bags all size. So um, if you're interested in one of those, a combination of the Rights of the 40th Parallel and one of these bags, you know, it's a kit that's $60 right there. Um, 
And I'm only going to make three of those. So if you're interested, send, you're going to send me an email. I'll, I'll tell you about that in the middle, but there's only three of those, which I'm going to do, but you know, as many copies of the rights, uh, I've got lots of copies of that. So that's not limited. And then the last thing is I have not, I've not been doing any of my Susquehanna alchemy sessions. You know, I've called them lots of different things, Starmancy, Skymancy, Biomancy, but you know, right now I'm just calling it uh, a session. It's 90 minutes. Uh, you fill out a form and, um, a questionnaire, a real detailed questionnaire. You give me your your uh, your birth information, and then we have a ninety minute conversation. And these these are gifts. You can give these as a gift. You give you gift yourself. Uh, I'm only going to do ten of these sessions, and so if that's something you're interested, all of these are available for gifts. Uh, I don't really have my website up. I you. I'm still using technology to some degree. I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm finding my way with it. But if you're interested in any of these, send me an email. The email is going to be downstairs, uh, or downstairs. It's going to be on where the text is. Tell me what you're interested in, and I'll tell you what to do with all of that. So um, that's where I'm going to wrap it up right now, my friends. Uh, thank you. Thank you for listening. I guess this also, you know, we just came out of the season in which we are grateful for. Um, I'm really grateful that that people find the way which I perceive things interesting because I've spent the majority of my life uh, around folks who've thought I've been nuts. <laughs> and so... Uh, there's there, there there there's a group of you, you know, my family. We're family. How do I know that? Because we resonate. Because if what I say if what I say resonates with you, what you say resonates with me. We would not be on that same page. And I'm grateful that we found each other. I I I, I complain about the internet and 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 there's a there's a big big truth to that is obviously this video, but there's another truth that it has brought many good things out. And the one, one of the good things I've experienced personally is that I've been able to hook up with a lot of you folks, even if it's just you watching the videos or posting or what have you. So I'm grateful for that. Thank you very much. And um, until the next one.